You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck. Podcast dedicated to Montreal Woods football. I am Tim Capper. You can find me on Twitter at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And I'm Cliffy D. You can also find me on Twitter at Cliffy D. And this episode of the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast is presented by our good friends over at SportBuff, where right now, if you use the promo code FLIGHTDECK-10, you can save 10% off your entire order. Head on over to www.sportbuffshop.com. Dot com. It's game week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Can't uh, wait. We're less than 20. As taping this, we are less than 24 hours from game to kickoff. Uh, I guess we can let them know that their hashtag is taken by somebody else's. Oops. Whoops. Um. I can't wait, dude. So far, I'm liking. So far, I'm liking all the all the different promos and stuff that the league is doing. Same thing with the Owls and stuff like that. I, I see you know a couple of uh, RDS uh, advertisements uh, around the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, there's a a good feeling in the air. Like I, I think, all things considered, I think people are generally excited about Canadian football. And the Alouettes again, which is great for us because this being in Montreal Alouettes podcast, you know, you, you kind of want people to be excited about the product. So <laughs> who would have thought they are? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, kickoff coming up. Can't wait. Um, if you didn't catch our previous show talking about the um, about the last preseason game, go go ahead and back and check in our our archives over to AlouettesFlightTech.ca and catch up. But this episode was leading us into this game versus the Calgary Stampeders. And a team, you know, a a team that the Alouettes have played before, Cliff, to start off their season. You know, this would be the fifth time in team history that the team has actually had their season opener uh, at Calgary. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Last time was back in 2014. That's right, and so far so good, dude. You know, it's two. We're two and two in those, in those, uh, in those games. So that's right. And let's not forget uh, 2009. The Alouettes opened the season out in Calgary, and if I recall, that year ended up turning out okay for the Alouettes. I, I think so. I yeah, think yeah. so. I, I think they did all right. <laughs> yep. And 2003 too is also the last time that it was game number one. Not only was it the season opener for the Alouettes, it was the season opener for the CFL. That's pretty cool. I mean, they they do say put your best foot forward. So uh, I, I guess the league, for whatever reason, considers the Alouettes and the Stampeders to be the team, the league's best best foot, feet to put forward. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, I was wondering where you're going with that. I know you got you tripped on your feet there for a second there, Cliff. It's okay. Uh-huh. Don't worry about it. But I knew what you were prom- trying to say. I, prom- I promise there's no foot fetish here. Folks. It's, <laughs> I, I, I need about that life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, if you are, that's cool, but just... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. It's your own thing. Um, <laughs> you do you, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, I'm, I'm going to give a, a, a plug right now if you're listening to this on Thursday. Cliff and I are going to be a part of the pregame show for the Mark Cast. Is Reed saying, is it a podcast? It's a video podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, check it out on uh, on socials. Uh, look up for Mark Cat Mark Cast, and it's going to be on. We're going to be on on the YouTubes. Uh, so join us there, and we're going to be part of the of the pregame show leading up to the game. Uh, it starts at seven thirty uh, p.m. Eastern time. So we'll mm-hmm. be on there sometime during that. We don't know what the schedule is yet, but still, uh, catch us there. You all should be able to see our noggins if you don't happen to know what we already look like. Yeah, pretty excited to be on the Marcast. Uh, it'll be my debut on there. You were there on there last year, so that's pretty cool. Yes. That you'll be you're, you'll be back in the saddle, so that's that's, right. that's excellent. So, I'm looking forward to the both of us offering our perspectives on what we can expect as we see the Alouettes and Stampeders play. So, uh, I, I'm excited, and folks, by all means, if, if you have the chance to do so before the game, it's kind of a a pregame, if you will. Make sure you tune into the Marcast and check out what uh, the flight deck folk have to say. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about the upcoming season. I mean, we, we had the, and we're going to talk about it obviously more when we're, um, previewing the upcoming game versus the stamps. Uh, but the, the depth charts came out. Um, and it is something that has been talked about quite a bit. And it's actually very interesting to see it actually in print cliff mm-hmm. is that all this talk. And, and there was talk earlier today. If anybody listened to Joey Alfieri and his uh, chat with um, uh, Alouette's general manager, Danny Machocha, they're talking about why the cuts were made and certain choices were made. And it was brought up a couple of times where, where the, it, it's, it is a known fact that they want to start two Canadians at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, that's what they've done. And and, and I, yes, I understand it's more of a of a game thing, but uh, it still needs to you know bear repeating. You know, the Owls are going to have. I mean, looking at the at the depth chart right now, two sets of wide receivers, two wide receivers listed here, and both of them have the primary and the secondary wide receivers, mm-hmm. and, and they're all Canadian. Um, yes, it's the Canadian, Canadian Football League. Yes, from what Danny Machocha said, it, it was, this is one of the reasons why they made the, the hard choices that they did when it came to who they were going to keep and who they were going to cut. What's it, what's your, what's your thought on this, Cliff? I mean, yes, you know, it, it's not the, you know, it's just not the spotlight that's going to be happening in BC with Nathan Rourke. But Still, these this is two sets of Canadian wide receivers starting for the Owls. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, especially when you consider, like, for years, for years, the Alouettes have been like a national receiver graveyard. Like, they, they would draft all these extremely talented, or at least I thought extremely talented wide receivers in the draft and do absolutely nothing with them or nothing of note. And I, I, I couldn't understand, like, 
were these guys just not testing right? Was it just a matter of just not seeing a fit in the offense? What like, what was going on? Like, why couldn't the national receiver get any love? I mean, yes, this team has always prided itself on having some pretty outstanding wide receivers, all American. But you got to give some. You got to find a, a, some way, shape, or form. You got to be able to give some love to the national receiver, and it, it just has never happened in Montreal. But this year. It's pretty clear that Danny Machocha sees the value in national receivers. Like he knows what he has already in Kion Julian Grant. And then you go out and you get a Herji Maiella. And you go out and draft. You make moves in order to draft a Tyson Philpot. Yeah. Like like this this is just dangerous. Like these are some extremely talented national receivers. Never mind, they are talented receivers in their own right, regardless of where they were born. But this just amplifies that, you know, we these are some Home. This is some homegrown talents, if you will. These are guys that are of Canadian descent, and they're a very key part of the offense. I mean, you know, VA is going to be looking for these guys going downfield. Like these are guys that can turn on the Jets and make plays happen. All, all of them, really. When you think about it, all of these national receivers, are extremely talented, have great hands, and can make plays happen. I mean, yes, everybody's going to be focusing on Eugene Lewis and Jake Winecki, of course. Those are your, that's your bread and butter right there when it comes to offense, when it comes to the receiver position. But my God, do not sleep on guys like Kion Julian Grant and Herjie Maiella. Like they will burn you. So I, I'm really excited. Like I, it's so, it's still hard for me to wrap my head around that this is we've come, we're at this point right now. And yes, it definitely does explain why certain players were not kept as uh, as part of the roster but i mean like it's incredible to think that the alouettes are in this position after so many years of focusing their talents uh nationally on other positions that now you can actually truly put together a decent you know uh, like i won't say murderer's row necessarily of national talent but you've got some horses here that can definitely make plays happen and that's going to be key like this is what's going to help the alouettes offense really take take shape this year yeah and also, you know, we were talking about Phil Pop before. It's also nice to see on the other side of the ball, Cliff, that Tyler Richard is is secondary this week as middle linebacker. So, and and I guess we could say his fumble partner Gowanlock. He's also a secondary this week behind Ellis. So, yeah, you know, these guys looked. You know, considering what Richards did uh, versus Ottawa in the, in the preseason game. These guys are are looking to make a name for themselves immediately right out of the box. Yeah, like I I look at that uh that wide side and it's just my goodness. I mean, all the Canadian talent that's there. Uh you you got Richards, you got Brian Harlemana, Chris Aki, who we already know is absolutely dangerous. Mm-hmm. And then you got Gowanlock who as far as I was concerned, like last last week's game versus Ottawa was his coming out party. Like, like people didn't know that this guy was there, but guess what? He's here and he's going to make a lot of noise. Like I, I look at him and the fact that he's uh, not a starting member of the defensive line. That's cool. Neither was David Menard last year. And look at the <laughs> look at what he did. Exactly. Very good I, point. I mean, okay, Gavin Locke's not. Point. Gowan Locke's not French, but I mean, he's still a Canadian. He's still a force and someone that, given the right opportunity, is going to make a lot of noise this year. Uh, I mean, this is, I, I look at this defense, I look at this defense, like the Canadian content that's on there, and like, holy cow, there, there's a lot to be excited about. 
Mm, no, I agree. Um, Greg Reed is back. You know, he's been having some, he was hurt, you know, a little bit banged up, but he is going to be starting for the defense. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Mike Jones, our free agent pickup, uh, he's going to be the number one at cornerback. Um, I, and we have to at least say this. I mean, yes, it, it's game one. But if you were to look at all the positions currently on offense and defense, Cliff, mm-hmm. if there was one position in particular where you thought that there might be a little bit of concern, and I, again, I understand this is only game one, what what position would you say w- w- are you, as an Owls fan, hoping that the Owls can shore up a little bit better? I mean, we've heard some rumors. I'm not trying to lead you into anything, but I'm curious to know what you're going to say, say to that question. On first glance, my... It, it may not be considered a legit concern based on certain people, but uh, I look at the left tackle position. Uh, Chris Schluger, who, when he's healthy, is absolutely a fantastic player. Problem is, he has not been able to stay healthy the past couple of years. And I, I was worried, like, when the Elwets traded Tony Washington to the Elks, I'm like, oh, that is a huge hole to fill. And unless they got a really good plan, like they're, unless they're targeting somebody in free agency – to fill that hole. I mean, you don't just, you, you can't just replace a Tony Washington so easily. And like I said, with Chris Luger, yes, he's played that position before and had had success when he's healthy. Yeah. But like I said, he has had problems staying healthy and who's his backup. Uh, don't know. I mean, like listen, left tackle. I mean, you're protecting Vernon Adams's blind side. Like th- that's not a, you know, th- that's no small feat. I mean, that's not something you want to hand over to a wet-behind-the-ears rookie. I'm not saying Schluger is, but uh, with his limited playing time, like, kind of feels like, okay, is he going to be up to the task? So right away, that's my number one concern. Uh, listen, I, I, I want to be proven wrong. I really hope, uh, you know, like maybe all he's just needed is an opportunity. Maybe it's just been bad luck when it comes to his injury woes. And if he's healthy and ready to go and ready to do the work that's necessary and keeping our quarterback upright and mobile – been great no you know then then my my worries are taken care of but as it stands right now like to me that's i won't say a a weak spot but it is something as a supporter of this team i am concerned about because let's face it we do not want any of our quarterbacks to be kissing the carpet no we want them upright we want them throwing the ball or handing off the ball or running away with the ball we don't want them getting railed by a defensive lineman or anyone else uh, on the opposing defense all because the, uh, you know, the defensive line just decides to let the defender come in and attack the quarterback. So like I said, as of right now, I'm looking at Chris Luger. I'm hoping the best for him. I'm hoping that he is healthy, ready to go, ready to work and we'll do whatever it takes to make sure that his quarterback stays upright. Yeah, and, my, and it's not really a concern to me. I mean, we, obviously, I want to see how well Stanbeck is doing, but I'm looking at the running position, running back position myself. You know, obviously, the the, the last game for Josh, uh, Josh Renan and Tweet, how he, you know, he had a whole, come on, we got to admit, he had a horrible game. He knows, I'm. Uh, we want to make, I know he's going to be chomping at the bit to get to back, you know, to at least carry a couple of balls this, this week uh, when Stanbeck's on the sideline. Um. Do you? I don't necessarily say it's a weak point, but maybe we need to have a you know potentially a a third. I mean, there's been a talk I think all week that the Alouettes are looking to make a, a an improvement potentially at running back for a backup, uh, whether it be Cameron Otters Payne. We don't know what's happening with there, but you know, 
we want to make sure Stanback is healthy. I mean, I think he had an ankle injury. And both you and I know that when it comes to ankles and being a running back, you need, really need to be 100%. And let's hope. I mean, this is week one, and he's having a potential ankle injury already or issue. I'm a little concerned, but I, I still have faith so far in our in our running in our running team. So it's uh, I'm okay with that. Second, yeah, and I think I, I think Antwi. Just to elaborate on that, I think Antwi. Uh, just the way I, from what we saw of him in camp when we were in Trois Rivières and what we saw in the the preseason game. Yeah, I mean he runs with a purpose. I I think he realized like his first real opportunity under the bright lights didn't go quite as planned for him. And I think he kind of kept that with him. I'm pretty sure it sat and nodded him throughout the offseason. And I'm pretty sure he was like, okay, that's not me. That's not what I want people to remember me by. And I think he played like that in training camp. I think he had that sort of fire in him that's like, I, I am I am better than what people think of me. And I think it showed in a lot of his work. I think the fact that he is basically the number two back right now speaks volumes to the, the confidence that this team has in him. So – I'm really excited to see what he can do. Like William Stanback, we know exactly what he is. Yeah. We know what he's capable of. Yeah. Uh, this injury, this uh, ankle injury, is a concern for sure. But if it, I, I think if he wasn't a hundred percent, he wouldn't go. I, I, I think he just he he knows his body. He knows his limitations. He knows what he's capable of. But if he does have to actually have to step aside and let Antwi in on the action. Oh, they'll be fine. I, I, I think it'd be more than fine to and tell I, you the truth. I'm, and I'm going to say this now. I don't know if I'm going to eat my words or not, but I, you know, it was before the, I, I before I watched, or I think it was just a, within a couple of minutes of the the quick mini doc that they did on uh, on Standback today. The Alouettes did, and a number popped into my head. Do you want to know okay. what that? Do you, do you want to know what that number was? Two thousand. No, no, no. Well, I, I meant versus Calgary. Oh, versus Calgary. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to be held that much into potentially eating crow. <laughs> it would be nice, but with all honesty, you know the number that came to mind without because it was on mute and I didn't hear a thing. Mm. The number two hundred came to mind. Mm. Yeah. Yep. I, I'll I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at. That. By the way, are are you surprised uh, Simmons is backing up Nick Usher? I mean, we just picked him back up, obviously, in a strange twist of fate. No, not surprised at all. I mean, again, these guys have to get rotated in, and I think you'll see a lot of uh, movement uh, as with additions of Mike. I mean, Usher is an American, so I mean, it's... So is Simmons. Yeah. Uh, wow, they didn't even mark him as such. <clears throat> Did you know I that? Have to, I don't have to tell you. <laughs> yeah, they didn't mark him as such. That's interesting. <laughs> No, but uh, let's not forget, uh, with the additions of Mike Moore and Avery Ellis on the defensive line, I mean, like these are some very solid, very strong players in their own right. So obviously Simmons is going to have to you know, bide his time a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I think if these guys get rotated in a, f- a fair bit, and I got a feeling that you're going to see a lot of that. I think uh, defensive line coach Greg Quick, he, he loves guys like this. Like th- these are the kind of guys that fit very well in his system, in his coaching style. And I wouldn't be surprised to see all four of these guys get moved around, you know, filling in spots. Uh, I, I think the only thing you're going to see that's guaranteed is Usher and Sewell in their spots. Mm-hmm. But the other two spots, I can see a lot of movement, a lot of moving uh, moving parts here. Guys just just giving different looks to the, uh, the uh, offense. And I, I think the key is going to be, like, 
what combination is going to work best and what's going to keep working against uh, a team like Calgary in order to keep uh, Bo Levi Mitchell honest and getting him uh, out of his rhythm. Yeah. Makes you, makes you wonder who, who would be starting by, by – who would be the number two to, to Nick Usher if they hadn't picked up Simmons? It's, it's a what-if question, obviously, but I mean it, – It's a huge what-if, especially too when you, you factor in like this time last year, Simmons was actually the starter on the defensive line. He yeah. was actually where Avery Ellis is now. So it, it's really interesting. It's, it's really interesting. And just to know that we have this kind of talent on the defensive line, which for years has been a concern, especially with Danny Machocho when he took over this job. He did say the defensive line was something he wanted to be retooled and completely reworked, and he did that. I mean he brought in – a lot of talent, whether it's through free agency or uh, other moves. I mean, the, the, the trade, like the, the Tony Washington trade, it was the reason why Mike Moore is here. Yep. Uh, we got some free agent add-ons with uh, Avery Ellis uh, and and a tr- another trade with Antonio Simmons back again. Uh, I mean, it's clear like, his focus was to make this offensive line or defensive line, sorry, a lot better. And just looking at it it looks dangerous. It looks really dangerous. Like there, I, I don't see any weak spots. To tell you the truth, my only my last minor is a minor minor concern because we really didn't see it. it. We didn't even see it. I don't think in. I'm trying to remember if we saw it in preseason when we were up in Troyver and during the intra squad. Um, who's going to be doing the the the, the second and third and uh, and short? And obviously, Dominic Davis is our number currently listed as a number three. Are we going to go? Is the, are the Owls going to go back to that route? Because remember, obviously, when they were two quarterbacks last year, that's not what was done. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Are they going to go the route of what they did with you know with the Tanner Marsh or the you know all the many many quarterbacks that they've used in the years past to to do the third, second, and third and shorts. Yeah, for short yards back, uh, I mean, it's very possible. I mean, like, this is why you, you would keep a Dominique Davis for situations like that. Because let's be honest, Trevor Harris is not a short yardage quarterback. So, no. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll see. I, I think uh, I didn't re- recall seeing a whole lot of that practiced in uh, in training camp. But yeah, I know it could just be one of those things, like. Maybe it's just not something that's so easily easy to to practice on. It's just one of those things you just have to just be good at. So yeah, and watch I, it. I, Davis will pop. Hit watch this. He'll become the next eighty Mac, so to speak. Where you know he'll do the this you know third and you know the third and shorts. As long as they're successful, that's all that matters. That's what counts. That's, but all, that's all that matters. Then so. again, too, if you're in short yardage, maybe you. That's what, again, where you truly lean on a uh, a William Stanback or Joshua Antwi to somehow get those extra yards, which Stanback we know can do no problem, and even you know add on to it. So we'll see. I, 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 it's not it's not out of the realm of impossibility what you've suggested. So I'm really curious to see, like, just when it does get to like you know second and two or or third and one, like who is the one who's going to hop in, or is VA just going to keep it himself and do all the work, which. Yeah. Also a possibility because once again he's mobile. You you know what he, he can do as well. It's gonna be fun. That's that's something I can think of. Is like th- there's a lot to consider here when it comes to this Alouettes team. Yep, and, and at least this time around, the game one of this game one this year is actually game one. It's not essentially a preseason game. 
Well, some some would argue that the first game of the regular season is still essentially a preseason game, but but I digress. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, uh, you know, we've seen with the lines coming up for this game. Uh, we've seen the over unders for wins. I think it's even money for the Alouettes. Uh, at over under at eight and a half wins. I think it was. It was over at Bet Regal. Mm-hmm. Um. When you look at the Alouettes in the East. And, and I know you and I'm almost I'm, I really am on the same bus as you are when it comes to thinking that there's a very good possibility of a first ever crossover from the East. Um, I think the question for us is, you know, where were the Alouettes stack up? You know, the, we've been known over the past six years, leading into our seventh season now, that we really don't say what the records of the Alouettes are going to be or what we'd be happy with. You know, obviously, we're the Alouettes, Alouettes fans. We want them to win. But we're trying to be fair here, too. Uh-huh. You know, we're not going to say, oh, well, you know, they're going to go 18-0. and 0. <laughs> No, that's someone else's shtick, and we're not going to steal that. No. <laughs> so when you look at this team and so far what, what there is, and again, on paper, and we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. going into the 2022 season, Cliff, what what are your thoughts on how you think this team's going to do in the East Eastern Division? Let's not forget the Eastern Division is a lot different than it was last year. I mean, as we said, we've said this on numerous pod, other podcasts, and uh, anytime that people have asked my thoughts on this, I've said the same thing. Ottawa has made so many wholesale changes; like they are not the same team that they were the past two seasons. Like like night and day. Like that's how different they are right mm-hmm. now. Is that going to spell instant success? It's hard to say. I personally think it's going to take some time for them to gel and really become that team. I think they will be a very good team in the future. Will they be a very good team in 2022? Maybe, but I'm still not 100%. I mean, like I said, it does take time for a team like that to come together. You can't just throw a whole bunch of all-stars together and just expect it all just to work like magic. Right. So in that sense, I think Ottawa will be a better team than they were, without question. But will they be better than the Alouettes? I can't say 100% so. Uh, You take a look at Toronto. uh, They've always managed to stay extremely competitive to the point where still people are still asking, like, is there a different set of rules for them? Like, they've had so many people in free agency. They've made so many moves. They've signed so many contracts. Like, where are they getting the money for all this? Like, how, how how does their salary management system work? But whatever they're doing does work because they were on top of the Eastern Division last year, and they were one, one or two plays away from going to the Grey Cup. I mean, this is a team that you you cannot sleep on in any sense. I think that they'll be extremely competitive, very dangerous as well. If everybody there stays healthy, I think this is a team that can definitely make a lot of noise. And Hamilton, they've been to the past, they've been in the past two Grey Cups. For a reason, They're, they they always find success. They always find a way to win. I think they've taken a lot of hits this year, as far as uh, team uh, players leaving in free agency or retirement or other moves have been made. And, and they a- too are not. And they're not exactly set- the same team. And actually settle- settling on one quarterback. Yeah, that's key as well. They've made their choice after having two quality quarterbacks at their disposal. Now they've got 
one bona fide starter, and as far as I'm concerned, a guy that can be a starter in this league. Now that they have uh, Matthew Schultz on board. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing with Hamilton, kind of like Calgary. Everybody sleeps on them or is is pick, predicting their doom every year. And yet they go out and they are either at the top of the division or very close to the top and somehow manage to be extremely competitive. So honestly, you look at all four teams in the East, I mean, any one of them could be one, any one of them could be fourth or somewhere in between. And this is why I really think I would not be surprised at all when the Great Cup playoffs get underway that all four Eastern teams are in it, which, of course, would mean one of those teams would have to cross over to the West. Which ones will? Like, which, which, who will be where? I honestly can't tell you. I don't even want to begin to predict or assume or anything like that. But I really, truly would not be surprised this year, Tim, if all four teams do make the playoffs. I think it'd be great if Montreal ends up in first place, of course. I mean, that's that's our, our hope, as always, uh, when it comes to this podcast. I think if Which we get what, the 2019 Vernon Adams, it's a very good possibility. Definitely. I, like, I think this team can have a winning season. I, I think they have the tools in place. I think the offense, once it gets going, once it gets clicking, is going to be very dangerous, like, like it was the first part of 2021. This defense, as far as I'm concerned, is absolutely dangerous on all facets. Right, but they, but this is a defense, though, as we saw last year. We cannot, we have to have an offense that equals the defense. We cannot let the defense, yes, it was great they were able to do their, their job last year and keep us in games, but the offense this year has to do a hell of a lot more. You know, they started off great. You know, the Alouettes were, were tops in many, many, many of the offensive categories, but it faltered off after VA got hurt. Yeah. They've got to stay and, consistent and, and balance this thing so the defense doesn't get gassed. No, absolutely. And that will kill any team. I don't care which team it is, but if your defense is out there much longer than what your offense is, it's not going to work. It's never It's never been a recipe for success, and it never will be in the Canadian Football League. Mm-hmm. You've got to have... A stout defense for sure, but you've also got to have a quarterback that can make plays happen, that can put points on the board, and not just field goals. I'm talking touchdowns, whether it's running, receiving, I don't care. Like you got to have a quarterback that can score points in this league. That's really what it's about. The rules have been changed now to allow for more scoring because supposedly that was a problem. Was supposedly teams were not scoring as much last year. I, I still don't think there was anything wrong with the game itself, but. Again, things evolve preseason and change. Preseason scores were a good sign, no matter how lopsided some of them were. The preseason scores were a pretty good sign, though. That's the thing. There wasn't really a whole lot of lopsided games in the preseason this year. Yeah, but but total, if, if but total scores, is... too, though. I mean, total points. Right. Yeah. So, uh, um, But again, I, it's going to be interesting to see how it works. But at, at the end of the day, you still need your, your quarterback to be able to score points. And if it's not going to be Vernon Adams— it better be Trevor Harris because so much has been put behind him. So again, so many people believe in him and I want to believe in him too. I I know again, the, the common theme is uh, Cliffy hates his guts. And like, I don't hate his guts. What I hate is everybody, uh, everybody making him out to be the next Ricky Ray. And he's not, I'm sorry to say he's not the next Ricky Ray. I don't want him to be the next Ricky Ray either. I just want him to be a good, consistent quarterback. If he can do that, and help keep help this team win games, then I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'm looking for more than anything else. But uh, again, 
you need this team to win, regardless of who the quarterback is, whether it's Vernon Adams, Trevor Harris, Dominic Davis, or even Davis Alexander, if he manages to come in and pull off some of those heroics that he did in the preseason. At the end of the day, you want your quarterback to be part of the conversation. When it comes to the the, court, the top-tier quarterbacks in this league, right. VA should be, if he's not already, he should be in that conversation. Yeah. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think this is what he has to do. And I think he knows it as well. He knows he has to be, he has to bring the hype. He has to bring everything to every game. And I, from what we've seen of him so far, I think he can do that with no problem. Um, I, I would not be surprised in, uh, if there are three, uh, at least, I could see at least three Eastern teams being above 500. When when the uh, when the season ends, uh, will that fourth team be able to make the crossover uh, with a five hundred or less record? I don't. It's potential, but I don't know. Um, the the East is tough. I think Ottawa has to prove themselves, especially what what you know. It's, it's basically a, a, a giant change. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's not a it's not an expansion club, but it is a brand new team in Ottawa. Um, Hamilton needs to show why they've been the beast of the East for the past two years. Toronto has been kind of been up and down. They need to prove it themselves also. And the Owls, the Alouettes obviously have a lot of proof, you know, and you're talking about, you're talking about four very hungry, very, you know, eager teams. Yeah. yeah. And they all have, they all have their, they all have their own reasons to want to be the best, to want to prove that they belong in the conversation. And I think that's just going to, what that's going to equal to is, some really, really exciting football. And that to me is what I'm more excited about than anything else is to see some good, hard-nosed, competitive football. Yeah, I agree. Now, the, the big question here, I'm going to ask you this, Cliff. And yes, as I said, we don't do record predictions. But first, I'm going to ask you about what, what they said, what the, what their, you know, the CFL plus minus, you know, the CFL regular season wins. Uh, over or under eight eight and a half wins, or or, or right on. Well, I'll say just over. Like I think nine or even ten is very much is not that difficult to ask of this team, and I think that they can do it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I mean, anything more than that is is a bit of an ask. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 how we're looking at it. Yeah, I agree. But I, I think nine, ten wins, I think, is a very reasonable request out of this team and one that I truly do think that they can provide. And as you said, like, is a nine and nine record good enough to make the playoffs or is it good enough to cross over? It just might be. I mean, that's this is what's going to make this so exciting is yeah. that, you know, it's very possible, too, that everybody ends up improving. And again, like last year, these four games versus Ottawa can make all the difference. I think in a lot of ways it did make all of the difference. Yeah. Like, especially like as the Alouettes kind of tapered off towards the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there was a couple of games that they should have had. I mean, like you can even say that the early part of the season, like this team was a lot better. Again, I always say you, you are what your record says you are. But at the same time, this team did not. They should have. There's a lot of games they should have won. They they should have been much better than a seven and seven team, as yeah. far as I was concerned. Yeah, but that's just the way things worked. I mean, it just as I said, they just kind of tapered off towards the end. We're running on fumes, really, when you think about it. And 
that's that's just how it was. But they they cannot do that this year. They cannot afford it to do that if they want to be competitive in this Eastern Division. This team has to at least be aiming for nine to ten wins, if not more. Yeah, I agree. Now, big question: What place do you see them in? Because I'll I'll go first. I think I think it's. Uh, to me, the Tiger Cats are the team to beat until they're not, until somebody actually dethrones them. I still to be think the man, they, you have to beat the man. I still think the Alawits are going to be uh, will be in the will be in the conversation for uh, uh, to host the the, the Eastern Semi. Mm-hmm. I agree with you for the most part. Like I know, like Toronto and Hamilton, those are basically one A one B when it comes to the Eastern Division. Toronto, they they were they were the top dogs last year. Hamilton, time and time again, as I said, they you, you count them out and they find a way to win. And th- that's basically your competition right there. As I said, Again, Ottawa, as I said, will be better, but will they be better as in like first place better? I don't see it. Will they be second place better? I don't see it. Like they are, I think, honestly, and it's not a put down by any stretch, so don't take it as such. They are a third place or a fourth place team in this division because – they will be better than they were last year. Their first two games, they were going to be, I think, the gauge. I mean, they open up back-to-back weeks versus the defending two-time Grey Cup champion. There you go. I mean, <laughs> you want to be tested? That's a good way to be tested right there. But, yeah. and uh, again, if they go 0-2, nobody's going to be starting to hit panic button, I don't think, in Ottawa. But at the same time, that's where you start to assess your team. Like, you want to go up against the best. You want to prove yourself against the best. Mm-hmm. And if they can steal one or even two against against Winnipeg, who, again, they still are the standard bearer as far as this league goes, as far as uh, football teams are. Right. If, if you can steal at least one win from Winnipeg, then you're going to get people talking. Now you're going to get people thinking, okay, well, okay, we got something here in Ottawa. Let's, let, you know, let's see what's going to happen. But where do I see Montreal ending up when it's all said and done? I think second place is very reasonable. I think first place is attainable. Third place, more than likely, that's that's kind of where. Again, it's not without the. You know, it, I think if you're if you're to really try to nail me down, which again I, I try not to be nailed down to these kind of things, but I think second or third place is about where I would expect to see the Alouettes. And no matter what, as I said, in this this Eastern Division. It's going to be tough. Like it'll be by like the slimmest of margins, right. like from number one all the way down to number four. When it comes to ranking these Eastern teams, like it's going to be very slim. Like I mean, these interdivisional games are going to be so crucial. Yeah, now, yeah, especially now since there's more of an emphasis on them. Mm-hmm. You know, two two less Western Division games. Uh, since you brought it up, I'm going to at least ask you before I was going to ask you the last question before we moved on into the. Uh, previewing the the matchup versus the stampeders but since you brought it up there's been some talk recently from the talking heads potentially when it as you said ottawa starts off at zero and two there's not much there probably may not be much talk about it you know people won't be worrying right but we're being led to believe now you know we've seen stories already you know a three down put something you know about on the same thing uh interesting comments were made and that's why I brought it up. Mm-hmm. But what if the Alouettes start off 0-2? Or they get to, let's say, a 2-3, or whatever it may be, to start off the season. 
you know, we've had people say that that Kahari is on the hot seat. That does Danny want to does you know does Danny Mac want to do a gym pop? Does he want to become or- the head coach in, in an interim position? By the way, if anybody remembers how well that's gone for Jim or any any general manager for the Alouettes recently who's become the head coach, the records have not been very good. Anyways, no. What? But your th- your thoughts on that? I mean, it's. I said Justin Tuck has said some stuff. It's very interesting what he said, but I at least wanted to ask your opinion on it. Hmm. Yeah, this is uh, something that's been kind of mulled about uh, for quite some time now is this idea that Kahari Jones is on the hot seat. I mean, let's not forget it was uh, like three years ago that he was basically thrown into the head coaching position with the dismissal of Mike Sherman. And lo and behold, the Alouettes end up going 10 and 8 in 2019. And all of a sudden, Kahari is the darling because of his uh, the fact that players are wanting to play for him. They're ready to run through a wall for him. His postgame speeches are just, you know, things of magic. Uh, I mean, there was a lot to love about the Kahari Jones of nine, 2019. I mean, like as far as like that was the coach, like that was our coach, and we were ready to go to war for him. Like that was that was the general consensus. Twenty twenty one, still Kahari is coach, and uh, you know, as again things were going great when when the team was winning and the chemistry was there, everything was going great. But then once VA got hurt, and then all of a sudden the offense kind of sputtered, and trying to replace VA was next to impossible, and. There was a lot of times where I felt like Kahari was kind of coaching scared, like he was very conservative with a lot of his play calling. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again: Too scared many penalties. Well, yeah, but scared money don't make money, as they say. And if you're coaching scared, then that's it, it doesn't augur well for you. So when I take a look at what Kahari Jones is to this football team. Like he still very much is the heart and soul of this team. And I still see a lot of the players are very much on board with him. Like the, like they, that is their coach for sure. This, this notion that he's on the hot seat and he's got to be able to produce wins right away. And it basically sounds like he's got to go 18 and zero in, in order to keep his job, which is ludicrous. As is the thought that if this team goes and four, then he's out the door. I mean, I, I just don't, to me, that would be throwing away the ba- the baby with the bathwater because we know what kind of a coach he is. We know that you give him the right tools, you give him the right opportunities, he's going to produce for you. Like this is a, like I, I look at some of the moves, like the personnel moves that have been made, and yeah, I can see why there's a, a lot of potential thought that maybe Danny Machocha wants to get back into coaching as well. I mean, let's face it. I mean, he, he's had he was a very successful coach for the for the Caribbean. Went to two, uh, no, three, sorry, three Vanier Cups while he was coach. You look at the coaching staff that's there now, you've got a lot of former Caribbeans there, like Anthony Calvillo, Byron Archambault, uh, David Deschamps. I, uh, I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> One would have to wonder, like, and let's not forget, to, uh, uh, beyond everything else, Kahari Jones was in place when Danny Machocha was hired. All right. That this is not the Kari is not Danny's guy, so to speak. So, I mean, the the first opportunity he he has, like, would he bring in his own guy, or would he take over the coaching reins himself? I would say honestly, like I've been overall impressed with what Danny Machocha has done as a general manager. 
that doesn't mean I'd be so impressed with him being head coach and general manager. I mean, very few people can pull that off. And let's not forget, he's done that in the past, Danny Machocha. Didn't work out so well for him in Edmonton. I, I think you're better off at this point in the game. Pick something and stick with it. Like, as far as I'm concerned, he's done a heck of a job as a general manager for this team. I would much rather, if he's going to get rid of Kahari, which I think would not be the the best move, if he's going to get rid of Kahari, he cannot take over as coach. I, I just, it just, history has proven it to be disastrous for the most part, or not so successful when the general manager of the Alouettes takes over as head coach, whether right. it's Jim Pop, uh, Kavis Reed. Yeah. I just don't see Danny Mac being the guy that's going to all of a sudden buck that trend. Now, if he's got somebody in mind that he wants to bring in as coach, that's a different story. But a lot of the idea is that, okay, is, is he secretly putting the band back together, the one that made him so successful at the UDM? One uh, one can't help but wonder when you take a look at the coaching staff and just wonder, like, okay, if if it's not Danny as head coach, then could he bring in someone else that was also a former Caramay? Maybe. It's certainly possible, but... As it stands right now, again, I, I get why people would think that Kahari's on the hot seat, but I think you just got to let him do his thing. I mean, he's got a healthy Vernon Adams back. He's got so many weapons at his disposal. I mean, there, there's a lot to like about this Alouette's team as it sits. I think it's just a matter of, you know, just, just let Kahari do his thing. And I will say that during the 2019 season, there was so much doubt. There was so much doubt about the Alouettes. You know, people were expecting it to still be the dumpster fire yeah, and yeah. all the doom and gloom that was surrounding the team. And you know what? You know who's the best at shutting all that out? Was Kahari Jones and Vernon Adams Jr. They just blocked all that noise out. Like, you could tell them all these things. They, weren't, they were hearing none of it. They just went to work, and they won football games. So if, if nothing else, I, I, I don't think this will serve as motivation because I really want to believe that Kahari and Vernon – are going to do the exact same thing in 2022. They're just going to shut out all that noise, all that talk, all that blah, 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 and just focus on what they know how to do. And that's just put together exciting football and finding ways to win. Like, we, we saw a little bit of that cardiac kids action in the preseason game. Damn straight. Like, I, and and the, this is with a team that was composed mostly of, like, you know, threes and fours. And they still managed to pull it off. They still had that. You still had that Kahari DNA in that game, like that 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 come from behind. You know, it ain't over till it's over kind of mentality. And I I really do believe that Kahari and VA are going to bring that this year. And this team has a lot of potential. And I think if you just you know if these guys can just tune out all the noise, tune out all the negative vibes, everything that's trying to come in, just f- control what you can control and focus on the task at hand, which is winning football games. If they can do that, the results are going to come. Yeah. And I, I think that's, you know, like I said, it, it makes for interesting uh, press. It makes for great talking points on, uh, you know, podcasts and shit like that. But at the end of the day, I'm not overly concerned about Kahari. I, I think he knows what he has to do. He knows the pressure's on, and I think in a, a crazy kind of way, I think he might be even be welcoming a little bit of that. Like, I think he wants nothing more than be able to prove all the doubters, all the haters, everybody wrong, just like he did in 2019. Yeah. I fully expect Kahari Jones to come in, show up, do his job, and produce winning football. Yep. That's and all think, there is to it. And my thought is, VA, if you have to, you know, 
If this was the case in 2019, if you have to stay off of social media, stay off of social media. You got to do what you got to do, man. Like that's that's really what it came down to because let's not forget, Vernon ha- plays well when he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder, when mm-hmm. people are starting to doubt him, yep. when all of a sudden he's considered a second-class citizen. That's when he rises up, and that's when he just goes – like again, same idea, locked in, laser focus, goes to work. Same thing with Kahari. Just that, that's and that's why that dynamic works so well with yep. his team. Yep. And I think we'll see a lot of that in 2022. I, and again, just look at the weapons this team has on offense and on defense. There is and on the practice roster. Yeah. I, I, I mean, my goodness. I mean, and and is, the guys who are currently on the one game. Right. The, there, there is a lot of talent on this football team. That is undeniable. This is a team that can and will hang with just about anybody in this league. And if you want to sleep on the Alouettes, go ahead and sleep on them. I mean, y'all slept on them in 2019, and look what happened. 2021, as I said, the the first part of the season, the first half, this was a team that they they were in it. They were competitive. At one point, they even were the top team in the CFL East. You know, it's just, like I said, unfortunately, injuries will kill the best teams. Fine, but every team goes through injuries. Every team suffers a a little bit of... uh, you know, tragedy yeah. when it comes to things like that. So, I mean, the Alouettes are no different in that sense, but and, and penalties, I, I think penalties too, obviously penalties in 2022 will be a huge, a huge marker for the Alouettes because we saw what happened last year. And so far, so far from what we saw with the, you know, with, especially with the big change with uh, uh, the no yards penalty, they did pretty good. And and I think mm-hmm. a lot of it last year was on, on special teams, but we'll, we'll again, we're, we're, it's on paper at the moment. We'll see what happens now. Cliff, Last question before we uh, before we talk about the game this week. Mm-hmm. Looking at the current roster, your player to watch in twenty twenty two. Hmm, boy. I mean, your first instinct would be to say VA because of him being like the comeback player of the year, even. Mm-hmm. But uh, wow. I mean, well, let me ask you this. Before you answer, do you think based on what how many Owls were in the top 50 players kind of was disrespectful? Not at all. No, the fact that uh, Gino and uh, Stanback, they're more or less where I expected them to be. Yeah, and I think the fact that... The, I, I think the fact that the you know the rest of the league is now finally woken up and realized, hey, wow, there's these are some these are some good players right here. These are yeah. some superstars. Yeah. Um. Since you're 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 not you're humming and hawing, but for me, I'm gonna go with uh, Standback, and I'm actually I'm really wanting to see. It's just one game, but I want to see what uh, Tyrell Richards can do. So those are my two guys on the Alouettes roster to watch. And you, know, you don't I'm want to pick, but you don't want to pick offensive defense. But I just wanted to; those are the two that came to mind. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, then I am going to go with uh, Reggie White Jr., who we saw starting to make a lot of noise last season. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to change. Thank if, if you, anything. COVID practice roster. Yes, that sounds yes. That, that sounds so strange to be thanking. Anyways, you know what I'm getting at. One hundred percent. So yeah, offensively, I think Reggie White Jr is going to develop that connection with VA or whomever he's playing, whoever's under center, he's going to make those plays happen. Like, I think he, we got a taste of what he can do last year. And I think it's just going to go like, he's just trending upward. So Mm -hmm. I think that uh, Reggie white jr is going to make even more of a name for himself in 2022 and defensively. I mean, 
my gosh, there's there's definitely a lot to like. But I think uh, Brock Gowanlock, as okay. I said, could be the next David Menard when it comes to like not a starter, but doesn't matter because when he gets in there, he's going to make plays happen. Like like I said last week, he showed up in a big way, like like literally out of nowhere, and, and took command. Like he he made every play count. And I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised this year if he does that. And you see the 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 dangerous weapons that are on that defensive line. Yeah, it was kind of like last year. Like Menard couldn't crack the starting lineup. Uh, I think he, he started one game out of fourteen. Yeah, and he still ended up as the uh, the the nod for uh, most uh, outstanding defensive player. Exactly. I, I mean, I mean that's just because that's what he was. He was outstanding. He he made the most of every opportunity. And I think Brock Gowanlock has definitely the potential to follow in those footsteps. Yep. We are we are on social media. Uh, if you want to find any of the archives, besides heading over to our webpage at www.alouettesflightdeck.ca, we're on most of the podcast aggregates. So just, just do a general search for Alouette's Flight Deck, and I'm sure you will find us there, especially on a lot of the big-name big, big name, uh, uh, podcast apps. Uh, Twitter, we're at Alouette's FL Deck. Instagram, we are at Alouette's Flight Deck. Facebook, Alouette's Flight Deck Pod. YouTube, we're almost there. We're getting closer and closer to getting to that 100. Do a general search on YouTube for the Alouette's Flight Deck, and you will find us there. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. Get us to 100 people. And you have a couple more weeks before the actual home opener on the 23rd. If you want to rep the, uh, the podcast at the opener, Head over to teespring.com slash stores slash Al's flight deck. And also another reminder, uh, the week prior to the home opener, we will be again giving away a pair of seats to see the Alouettes play the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the home opener. So stay tuned. Yes, absolutely. If you want to, if you, if you've been waiting for that opportunity to go and see the Alouettes, First of all, how dare you? But second of all, if you want to come check out the check out the Alouettes live at Percival Molson Stadium, no better way than do so than get that get, get your name in the contest, win those flight deck flight crew seats. I tell you what, folks, free Alouettes football on us. Mm-hmm. I don't think it gets much better than that. Yeah, on us, along with our representing sponsor, Sport Buff. So, stamps, as we mentioned before, uh, you know, the Owls have, have opened the season four times in, uh, in Calgary to start the season. Uh, the Alouettes are currently a, depending on where you look, from anything from Bet Regal at a three and a half to uh, five times at a four point underdog. Uh, Over under is uh, at a nice clip of 47.5. What are your thoughts, buddy? I mean, you know, Calgary is, you know, Calgary is Calgary when it comes to Coach Huff, Bo Levi. It's Dave Dickinson. Yeah, 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 exactly. What what do the Alouettes need to do to go into this game in Calgary tomorrow night at 9 p.m. TSN, RDS, or on the radio? What what do they need to do in order to win this game? They just gotta walk in and, come, and punch Calgary in the mouth. Which is easier said than done because uh, Calgary has looked very dominant in the in the preseason, and I know preseason doesn't count, but at the same time, like as I've said before, people love to write off Calgary and are eagerly awaiting the day when Calgary all of a sudden starts to suck. 
and it just almost never seems to come. I mean, this team, if they're not at the top of the division, they're very close. They're in the conversation. As far as I'm concerned, like this has always been the team to beat. Like this has always been a standard bearer team. I think Winnipeg has kind of taken over the the top spot when it comes to that, but Calgary is always, always in the conversation. So if you can walk into Calgary, as you've done in, in, in the past, and play these guys hard, you could walk away with a win. Uh, the big key, though, is a lot of people are looking at Bo Levi Mitchell, and again, a lot of people are doubting him. Like, he is, he has not played well over the past couple of years. Like, he's... You know, he shows some chinks in the armor after, uh, as I've said, I've considered him and Mike Riley, Michael Riley, sorry, to be amongst the top tier quarterbacks in this league. Well, Riley's retired now and Bo Levi past couple seasons hasn't quite played like a top tier quarterback due to injury, due to any number of things. But he just hasn't looked himself, in which case the Alouettes or the, the Stampeders would be leaning heavily on Jake Meyer, who Alouettes fans remember. Mm-hmm. Last year, in that thrilling game in Calgary, where the Alouettes lost you know, by a yard, by a yard, by a yard. Yeah, Gino I mean, will remember. I'm sure Gino will remember very well. <laughs> and Vernon too, because yep, he he did not he did not play his best game, but still managed to engineer a comeback and still managed to produce that exciting football that we've come to expect from VA and the Alouettes. But I think honestly. If Montreal is going to come away with a W on this one, they've got to set the tone right away. They, they've got to control the pace of this match immediately. And this defense, for example, they've got to get in Bo Levi's face. They've got to make him uncomfortable. Like He's going to be eager to prove that he's not washed up. He's not dinged up or anything like that. Like he's, I, I definitely see Bo Levi trying to maybe even overcompensate a little bit for, for himself. And if he's Yalowitz got a lot to prove take, too, though. I mean, considering he what he's come off of last year... He's got a lot to prove. Yeah, and again, there's a lot of rumblings that he may have even been traded based on the fact that Jake Mayer was playing some pretty outstanding football in his absence. So, I mean, as I said, like, as far as the quarterback position goes, like the, the Stampeders always seem to have a, an ace in the hole. They always seem to have that uh, plan B that works extremely well. Before they had Nick Arbuckle, then Jake Mayer came, came along. And now a lot of people are thinking, like, okay, like, if Bo Levi starts to falter, then, okay, we got a plan B. And a very good plan B in Jake Mayer. But at the same time, for all intents and purposes, this is still Bo Levi Mitchell's team. So Montreal really has to get in there and punch him in the mouth right away. Mm-hmm. And punch him in the mouth first and often. And really rattle him. Because as he falls, so will the Stampeders fall. As far as I'm concerned, like that's what they're going to do. And Montreal just has to, like offensively, they just have to click on all cylinders. Like you've got the talent, you, you've got Stanback, you've got Antwi running the rock. I mean, like you, you pretty much got to force feed the football down Calgary's throat. You got to push them and push them and push them. And you've got to score points. You cannot leave points on the board. As far as I'm concerned, like field goals are not going to cut it against this football team. Like Vernon has to find a way to get everybody open. And take as many shots as possible, and just play this play the kind of game that we expect them to. Like no, no making mistakes, no overthinking throws. Just, just do the damn thing. Like that's really what Vernon has to do. Like just keep it simple. You know, make your plays, make your reads like you're supposed to. And again, I, I think this is also a winnable football game. This is going to be a tough game. It's going to be a very competitive game. But Montreal has proven that they can go into Calgary and win. And there's no reason to think that they couldn't do it again this year. 
Yeah. Um, as I said earlier in the thing, you know, I had 200 stuck in my head. If it, it is the case where, where Stambik does go off for 200, I see the Owls, I see the Owls winning this game. Um, I think it just needs to be a, a balanced attack. VA needs to be sharp. Stambik needs to show that he is okay and good to go. That's a, it is going to be a tough game. I mean, look at the history of the Alouettes. They've only won one game in Calgary over the past what, multiple, multiple years. Almost a decade, yeah. Yeah, they're Got one in nine. They're one in nine over their last ten. Yep. The one thing I am looking forward to, the, the potential, well, there's two things I'm actually looking forward to now that I think about it. Uh, the return of Herji Mayala, former yes. Calgary Stampeder. Yes. So you, you know he's going to want to show up and show out. Like he wants to, you know, remind them of what uh, what they used to have uh, in their lineup. But also too, Tyson Philpot could very well be playing against his twin brother Jalen Philpot. It's very possible. I mean that that could be fun. Uh, uh, let's not forget too that uh, Tyson Philpott also is a former member of the Calgary Dinos, so he knows McMahon Stadium very well. True. So I mean, like uh, you know, he he knows how that turf is. He knows what it's like to play on that field. So I don't think the moment's going to be too big for him either. So don't be surprised if somehow VA gets him into the mix and gets him wide open out of nowhere because all he did. Tyson Philpot was catch touchdowns for the Dinos. Right. So, by the way, just just as you're, as you're mentioning, Jalen Philpot is on the one game. Ah, okay. Well, forget that journey. I, I'm sure most of what I said could be salvaged, but yes, I, I expect <laughs> uh, I expect Tyson Philpot to you know want to want to perform and show up for you know his uh, former Calgary fans. You know that now will have to watch him in blue and red. Mm-hmm. So those are two those are two interesting aspects that I'd like to see played out tomorrow. I'd like to see if uh, Herji can, you know, kind of show up his uh, his former running buddies, and if uh, Tyson Philpot can make a name for himself early on in the season, as uh, you know, helping to score some touchdowns for the Alouettes. I'm all for that as well. I mean, there's there's a lot of neat little side stories to this uh, this particular matchup, and I'm I'm looking forward to each and every one of them. Yep, I agree with you, dude. Should be fun. It should be fun. That that's the thing. Just remember, it's a multiple ways you can watch the game tomorrow night. Uh, also, as a quick side note, for those of you who may have not seen it, the Alouettes this Sunday, uh, the eleventh, twelve, sorry, twelfth, will be hosting a not only a practice for fans, but also a uh, uh, what are they calling it? A, a, a exchange exchange your VA jersey day, a jersey uh, swap. Yeah, jersey swap. From a, from a number eight jersey to a number three jersey. Again, that will be happening starting at 11 a.m. this Sunday at Olympic Stadium. Um, so if you don't know where their practice practice facility is, uh, it's behind the Big O. Um, trying to give, give some more details. <laughs> it's, it's basically between uh, Stad Saputo and the Olympic Stadium. There you go. There you go. There's a, there's a, small, a small field. Well, it's not really a small field because it's – like standard size, but uh, yeah, yeah. there's a, a field in between the two stadiums, if you will. That's where the Alouettes will be practicing. Yeah. So exactly. the public's welcome. You know, it's open to the public. Come one, come all, come check it out. Uh, if you've got that number eight VA jersey today, or the, that day is your opportunity to get switched to get that number three that should have never left VA's property. But, you know, 
that's in the past. We're, we're past that now. Look into the future. Make sure you get that new swag. Exactly. Exactly. Look, looking at you, Tim, because I know you got the. Uh, I got mine. I'll be getting it changed. There you go. I'll be getting it changed. There you go, folks. Yep. So uh, stay tuned for our next show. We'll be talking about everything Alouettes and uh, recapping the opener versus the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, if you happen to be going to the event on Thursday, uh, excuse me, on Sunday, uh, hey, come say hi to us. We'll be there. We're more than happy to meet all of our fans because uh, without you, we'd be talking to ourselves. So Pretty much. And uh, and once again, folks, please don't forget, check out the MarkCast on uh, Thursday evening. Yes. Uh, make sure you check uh, check us out. Uh, like I said, we're really excited to be a part of that. Really, really excited to talk uh, Alouette's football, whether it's on here or on other platforms. We're just excited to be able to share our thoughts, share our opinions on what's going on here in Montreal. And just think about it, Tim. Finally. Canadian football regular season is going to be underway and we're kicking things off. That's right. Who would have thought, baby? Who would have thought? Should be fun. So we'll speak to you guys next week. So for everybody here at the Alouette's Flight Deck for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.